Guys, that was awesome. Amen? That was fantastic. The, today's going to be a little bit different service for all of us. And uh, so I would just really consider this more like a living room conversation. Um, we are a church family, and as uh, we continue to grow together as a church family, uh, this really is just sitting down, and if you would imagine this, uh, kind of in our family room talking about uh, our family as a church. And, and uh, the guys, uh, some of those guys, three of those guys are, will be going back to, to college, and we're going to miss them. And so um, this was the last week they all are going to be here. And I thought I'd take the opportunity to talk about a couple of things. Um, he said it was going to be a short message, but it's still I want to try to tie it to the Scriptures. So if you have your Bibles, keep them open to 2 Timothy. We're going to talk about this for just a moment. And then we're going to invite the guys, those four guys, um, who can not only preach, but who can sing um, up here. And we're going to have a little discussion with them. And, then, um, and that will be our service for this morning. Over the last several weeks, uh, we've been very intentional as a church family and as a church leadership about um, what we've done here. And maybe some of you thought, well, we were just trying to fill the pulpit or just do something different for a pandemic. And, and what I want to say to you is that's definitely not what was going on at all. That was very intentional. Over the last several years, two or three that I remember, uh, as we approach Vacation Bible School, what we would do is we would try to preach the lessons of the Vacation Bible School lessons to the congregation. And then when Vacation Bible School rolled around, we would know what those lessons were. Um, this year, we ordered curriculum, and it came in, and, and um, we just had, we had no idea what was going to happen. Um, but these young men had agreed to, to go ahead and, and preach for this year. And um, that turned into, that, that just took a whole life of its own. It really just developed a whole life of its own. And so um, we, we were very intentional about what we, we did because we believe that the Lord has uh, means of grace. Do you, know what I, do you know what I mean when I say that? So God has been gracious to us, and he gives us the means in which the word of God grows, which people come to know him in salvation. Um, God has special means of his grace where we are sanctified. That simply just means we grow in the Lord. We, we nurture our relationship. And, and the means of grace that God's given us is um, what we're participating in today. The gathering of the saints the worship of his people, the proclamation of his word, we would say preaching. One of the things that I've noticed over the pandemic is this, is what we are about this place on this day. So uh, I, I, I didn't always call it the Lord's Day over the last five or six years. It's something that I tried to pick up a new habit, and I, don't, I tried not to refer to Sunday. But what we do here, I try to refer to it as the Lord's Day because it's the first day of the week. It's the day in which Jesus was resurrected from the, day, the dead. It's, a, it's the day of the week that we believe is special. It's the day of the week for over 2,000 years that Christians have, have worshiped together. And so uh, it's, and, and I refer to it now as the Lord's Day, so I help myself 
mark off in my mind, this is not a typical day. This is a day unlike any other of the seven days. This is a special day. This isn't Tim's day. Tim gets Monday through Saturday. But the Lord has marked out his day this day. And when we gather here on this day to worship and sing and pray and to hear the proclamation of God's word, I believe something special happens. If I may dare say, I believe that when we gather here, we are in a supernatural experience. Super meaning above. It's not normal. There's something spiritual happening here. And that's just a means of God's grace that he's chosen to do that. Now, I don't believe it's what we do. I believe it's what we participate in. And I also believe that it's under the superintendency of the Holy Spirit, the third person. You see, God didn't make gathering of his people optional. Now, there are people who can't meet because of the pandemic, and we understand that. But the normal means of God's grace is the gathering of people. Even in countries like in communist China, where they're forbidden by their governments to meet, they still meet. Why do they do that? They do that because they expect that to be a supernatural experience. And so that's what we've been doing. And if you have your Bibles, um, I want to show you, I believe, I hope, from God's Word, why this is just not another gathering. This is not like a gathering of the Kiwanis. I'm not taking a dig on them. Turn to Romans chapter 10. This is not a motivational talk. It's not a TED talk. If you know what those are, those are motivational talks on the internet about all kinds of neat things. We're not a TED talk. This is something very, very different, what we're about. And I'm going to make a point here, hopefully, in just a moment. If you have, Rome, if you have your Bibles, just flip back to Romans 10, and I would like to talk about uh, verse 8 and following. I'm going to read verses 8 and following. And I sure hope you're bringing the copy of God's Word to to this service because one of the things that, that we want to do is make sure that whoever's up here, whether it's these young men or Jake or David or, or somebody else, next week we're going to have somebody else up here, we want to make sure they're talking about the Word of God. This is what we're about. We're about the Word of God. So Romans chapter 10, and I'm going to start in verse 8. It says, But what does it say? The Word is near you in your mouth and in your heart, that is because the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with one mouth confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew or Greek. The same Lord is the Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is good news. For everyone who calls on the Lord will be saved. How then can we call on him? So how can we do this? How do we know this? This is a question. In whom they have not believed. And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? So in other words, how do people know? And then he says this. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? 
And how are they to preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, the Lord who has believed who, what he has said has heard from us. So faith, so verse 17, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. Do you see the progression? We, we can only know and believe in the good news of Jesus Christ if someone, someone entrusts that to us, if someone shares that to us. So now let's go to 2 Timothy, the verse. So if you go back there, I want you to see what Paul says. He says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus in what you have learned from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach also. I want to talk very specifically about this, trying to exposit it very specifically to what he's saying, but I also think there's a general application. Paul's writing to Timothy, who was a young man who was fearful. We know that. He, he was scared. The culture was against Christians. The culture was chaotic. It was a tough day to be a Christian, sort of like now. And Paul is telling Timothy that he had got the good news, the gospel, straight from Jesus. If you go back, you can find that that's what's going on. And so Paul is saying, Timothy, I've been given the gospel straight from Jesus. I've revealed it to you. Now you need to go reveal it to faithful men who will go about and preach it to everyone else. And I, I'm not ashamed of, about what I'm about to say, but I believe that spiritual leadership in the church and in the home is a male role, and that, a male role, and that comes from the creation order. So I do think it's important that men be trained for ministry. Now, I don't know if any of these young men will go into ministry. We don't know that. But I do believe that every church needs elders, men who are qualified to teach according to the Scriptures. And that's what is the life of the church. And so I want to say that I think it's pretty awesome for a church that's running 40 in a pandemic that four young men stepped up to preach their very first sermon. That's 10% of the congregation. I think God's doing something. And I think that, that there are many other men sitting in this congregation right here, right now, that God may be tapping you on the shoulder saying, hey, this idea of the gospel that's been entrusted to you, you also need to be able to teach and share and lead. Not just these four guys. There's some of you that need to step up as well. You see, one of the things that I'm learning, and one of the things I want to make sure that, that I'm passionate about, whether it's here or anywhere, wherever God places me, but, but I no longer want to be a part of a Christian church or a part of the church that is a spectator's church. I don't want to just sit on my backside and do nothing. I want to be involved in a church where everybody has got skin in the game. Where everybody's playing a role. Where everybody's doing what God's called us to do. And so one of the things that are so exciting to me over the summer is I've seen young men. And this is, this is literally, every, I feel like sometimes I wonder what God's doing in my life because this was my heart's dream is to be in a place where where this replication 
of the gospel preaching ministry could turn over and over. And I thought, oh, Lord, if I ever get to see that, then I'm, you can just take me home. And I can tell you that if God so called me home, I've got to see that this summer. Now, that's the specific. That's called apostolic succession. The apostolic message was from Paul to Timothy and Timothy to somebody else. And guess what? Because of faithful men preaching the gospel, you and I are sitting here. Just think about for 2,000 years, this this apostolic succession has been going on. And I don't know, but I'd like to encourage you this morning just to remember, how did you come to know the gospel? What pastors were in your life? What elders were in your life? Now, rather than I try to alienate 50% of the congregation, this is not just a male thing. This is also a male and female thing. Because we believe that teaching is also something that we all can do. And I just want to say that, that our job is to pass this along to someone else. So think about that Sunday school teacher that poured their life in you. Think about who she was. Or I, I, just, I went to a little church growing up. And as I was thinking about this message this morning, I, I thought about a lady. Her name's Beulah Ferris. She was my Sunday school teacher for years. I thought about Vacation Bible School when I was a little kid and about the men and women that worked in the church. And so I'd like to ask you, what are you doing to pass this along? Because Paul says, entrust that to faithful men or faithful women who can entrust it to others. I've heard some of you ask questions about these guys, and they're not going to, I'm not here to brag about these guys. I'm, a, I'm here to brag about Jesus working in these guys' lives. And they're fearful of what I'm about to say because they don't want this to be about them. And so you have to understand their humility. And I can say they're humble. It's kind of hard to tell someone else you're humble. But I just want you to know that for the last, this whole summer, uh, these sermons came with a lot of hard work. They were pouring their lives into scriptures. They were meeting twice a week together. They were studying. They were praying with one another. They were praying with one another throughout the week. And they were doing life together. And so I just want to encourage you that the secret sauce to the Christian message, if you want to know the secret sauce to the Christian message or to the Christian faith, let me just give it to you. It doesn't, doesn't get any deeper or any better than this. This is it. you got to be in the Word. You've got to be praying. And you've got to do life with other Christians. Brothers and sisters, that is it. How are you expecting God? I'm not here. I'm just I'm trying to encourage you. How are you going to expect God to speak to you if you aren't in His Word? How are you to... Listen to him if you're not talking to him. You can't have a relationship with your husband or wife and never talk to them. It doesn't work, trust me. (laughs) 
you can't give them no attention and expect them to pour out. It just and, and that's human. I, I know it's a bad example, but but man, I think the Lord. This is human speaking, so I don't have a chapter and verse. But I wonder if the Lord's just waiting on us. Some morning, some afternoon, some evenings, whatever. If you're a morning person, do it in the morning. If you're an evening person, do it in the evening. If noon's your time, do it in the noon. But I wonder if the Lord is just waiting for us to, to come and, and, and spend time with him. I hear people say, I, I don't know what God's doing in my life. I don't know if he's ever said anything to me. Yeah, he has. He's written you a letter. It's, an e- it's better than an email. It's better than a text. It's, 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 he's given you 66 versions of the same book, and we call it the Bible. There's 66 of them together. And so when you study that and pour your life into is this making sense or is it mine? Okay, because I've not done this for a long time, so I may, I wasn't good when I was doing it, so I haven't done it, so now it's even worse. At the first of the year, matter of fact, I wrote it on the 29th day of December in the year of our Lord, 2019, I passed out these. And trust me, I do some of the corniest, stupidest things to try to drive a, you know, I'll put loaf bread out there or I'll, you know, pass a poker chip away. And I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to do something that, you, you, that we can bite on, that we can understand, that we can understand what God's doing. And, and, but this was another attempt. I, it's a commitment for 2020. I don't, may, maybe many of you even threw them away. I, and I, I understand that. It's from me, so I get it. But I think, I think what I was trying to get at is this idea of passing it along. And I'm going to ask the guys to come up here in just a minute. But I just wonder if this August day of 2020, if we don't need to reconsider this recommitment of these things. And, and, and so what I, what I was hoping that we would commit to was uh, I, Tim, with the Lord's help, will commit to the following to the glory of God. I will commit to make the Lord's day a priority for me or my family. Now, let me just say this. That, I'm, not, I'm not saying about attending. I, I, if you can attend and you want to attend and you're able to attend and it doesn't compromise somebody's health to attend, I think this is where you need to be. I'm not going to ever stop apologizing that I think on Sunday morning when St. Louis Crossing gathers, you need to be here, even if you don't feel like it, even if you're in a bad mood, even if you've been in a fight with your wife, even if your dog ran off. This is where you need to be. And if you can't be because of COVID or coronavirus or something going on, then you need to do something in your home to mark off this day as special. Because it is. You need to, we need to read. And, and so one chapter a day, five days a week. And there's, there's a list. I'll resend that or somebody will resend that navigator list out. Just pick a chapter and there's a, there's a little calendar. You can do it. Five minutes a day. I've noticed that I'm starting to check this more than I should be, and I'm spending a lot more time on this. And, and I know that some of you are spending more than five minutes a day on this because I can see you because I follow you. So we need to get into this. You're probably glad I haven't spoke all summer, huh? Set aside family worship times. Families need to be worshiping together now more than ever. Kids are going to go to school and they're going to have to wear masks and their teachers are having to teach in unknown circumstances and 
It's just crazy. I mean, why not, why not come home and let your home be a sanctuary and let your home be secure where, where this is where you're going to talk about God and encourage one another and pray with one another and, and we're, going to, we're going to commit to, to having family worship times. Who are you praying for right now? There's three names on my list. These are three neighbors of mine that I believe aren't in church on Sunday morning. Pray for them, build a relationship with them, look ways to share the gospel, have a conversation, invite them to church. Let me tell you what Satan wants you to do right now. He wants you to pause inviting someone to church. He wants you to pause the gospel conversation. He wants you to cancel that praying for that neighbor because if he can do that through a virus, he's winning. The world now needs more than ever our gospel conversations with men and women who need to know about the good news of Jesus Christ. If you believe the coronavirus is deadly and it could kill somebody, then how could we look at our neighbors who may get a virus and die without Jesus and go to hell? How can we even live with ourselves? Now more than ever, we probably should be telling our neighbors about Jesus. Because if we really believe there's a pandemic that could kill thousands of people a day, there are thousands of people every day that may be going to hell. But we want to stay in our homes, masked up, and not tell them about Jesus. You can do it through your phone. You can do it through Facebook. You can do it through a phone call. Build those relationships with people and tell them. And commit to praying for our church. I've spoken with several pastors. Pastor friends of mine from all across the country. And here's one of the things that they're saying to me. A handful. How about this? A handful of pastor friends of mine. And they've said, I have text messages on my phone that the greatest fear is that the church may never recover from the pandemic. Not, not, not Jesus' church. Not the gospel. But there were people that were coming to church who now aren't coming And they're all praying that God will somehow draw them back in because they've lost connections, they've lost attendance, they've just kind of fallen to the side. Pray that this church will be a gospel lighthouse, whether we're gathering or not, because the world needs Jesus now more than ever. And can I be so frank? I need Jesus now more than ever. There's more temptation. There's more frustration. There's more depression. There's more anxiety. There's more chaos. There's more uncertainty. I need to know about the hope of the world. And his name is Jesus. There's a song that we didn't sing this morning. But it came to my head, and I want to read the words, and I'm going to ask the guys to come up. Don't forget these words. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow will erase 
So brothers and sisters, listen to the last long. We could probably sing it. So bravely run the race. Can you finish it? Till we see Christ. Father, I pray that uh, the words would be encouragement today, this morning. And I pray as this discussion goes with the young men, um, that we could be edified as a body of believers. I love you and I love your church and I love these people and I pray Lord that you would help us all continue to grow in the grace and may we bravely run the race that's set before us until we see you Jesus face to face it's in your name I pray amen guys why don't you come up we're going to do something a little different it's a living room conversation and um, I've got just a couple of questions I thought maybe you'd want to hear from these guys before they before they leave no, it doesn't matter what you said. Um, we've all been together a lot this summer, so um, we're not going to mask up just because we all spend a lot of time together, and, and uh, I think we're all good. Um, we're gonna, they're going to go around. I've got three questions to ask them. They're going <clears> to <throat> briefly answer those questions. Uh, probably shouldn't give him the mic first. I don't know if you guys know this, but if you ask Jordan something, he'll talk like till midnight. Um, so, um, brothers, I just want to ask you, and we'll just take a life of its own, but uh, this summer, what, what's the biggest lesson that you all took away from this summer? Because they were kind of like interns here, whether we called them that or not. So what's the biggest takeaway or what the biggest lesson this summer that God's shared with you? Um. Thanks. Um, I think the biggest takeaway for me would probably be, I guess, praying for the pastor. It's something that I had never done before, to be really honest with you, maybe Sunday morning before church. But um, being with these brothers and preparing for the message, I realized not only my insufficiency, but kind of all of our insufficiency really to preach and our need for the Holy Spirit to preach with us, alongside with us, and and so something I was convicted of, and it's something I've really started doing now, is starting at the beginning of the week, Monday morning, Tuesday, Wednesday, every day of the week, praying for the pastor, whoever steps up into our church, and for the local pastors, um, Andy at the Hope Moravian, um, Paul, and just any, if you have friends who go to a different church, just, just praying for the pastors, because we Anyone who steps up to the pulpit needs help. They need the Holy Spirit to guide them. And so I was really convicted of it. And I think I know, I know it helped me having prayers when I was up here. So, so the importance of praying for the pastor, not just Sunday morning, but throughout the week and praying for all the pastors in our local area. Anybody else want to take a stab at it? I would say uh, my biggest takeaway from this summer was just the idea that the more you're, the more you're surrounding yourself with God's word and the more you're surrounding yourself with prayer, the more convicted you are. And it, the more you start dedicating your life to Jesus and everything you're doing, the more you find yourself being convicted because you are a sinner and because you all always are going to fall short of the glory of God. So this summer for me has been the most convicting summer I've ever had. So, so Sean, I want to I wanna follow up and press a little bit in that conversation. Um, how do you not walk away from just being depressed and I don't want to read the Bible and just feel convicted by all the wrong things I'm doing. I just, I, I want to feel good. I want to be encouraged. So how did, how did God encourage you through this convicting summer this year? It happened a lot 
for me through prayer, I mean, just praying to God, just, you know, first off, just repenting of the sins. And I think that came with recognizing more of the sins. And I think from there, it was just praying to God. And I think just asking God to grow me more like him. And that's, that's something I've been praying for for over a year now. It's just, God, grow me in the direction you want me to go. So I'm assuming God's been faithful in that endeavor. He has. And I mean, it's something that has really come to fruition this, this summer. Okay. I would say one of my biggest takeaways from this summer would be, um, you kind of touched on it this morning, but there's three things that I think we need most in day-to-day living, and that would be um, reading God's word, praying, and fellowship. And through some of the things we were able to do this summer, we got those not only when we came to church, but I think it's so so important to have that outside of the church, um, because obviously there's something special about today, but if we just sneak in on Sunday morning and then sneak out when it's over and then we go about our daily lives like nothing else matters, then it's just it's not the same. So I think being able to have that both in the church and outside of the church, I mean, we would every time we met, we would pray. We'd be reading God's word. We'd be talking about God's word. We'd have gospel conversations, the fellowship. I mean, we've grown so much closer with each other, um, and God's been able to work through us in amazing ways. So I would say that's my biggest takeaway from this summer. Good. Kind of as Jordan and Sean touched on, um, preparing for my message when I was preaching or preparing to preach, the conviction through the whole week, um, I was convicted in preparing for my message, and and it as the week went on, I found more relating to the message, um, so that that was kind of convicting. And another takeaway for me was on Tuesdays when we met, preparing for. Because even before we preached, we started preparing as the worship assistant, preparing who was uh, helping prepare who was going to preach, and just being involved in preparing for this sermon made it hit home a little more, if that makes sense. So um, that was really cool. And, and as Jacob said, we all grew closer together. This isn't the first year we've all hung out and done discipleship group, but it seems, even considering the pandemic, it seems. I, I don't know. This this is one of the best summers I've had. I I was baptized. I was blessed yeah. with the opportunity to preach, um, and in the relationships, we, and and even the whole church. I mean, I feel like everybody's grown closer together, even considering the pandemic. So um, that that's been beautiful. So why don't you get the mic? Why don't you just talk about your perception of preaching, uh, especially your first sermon? You touched on it. What did anything change about preaching? About the 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 what preaching meant, what it did. Yeah, um, not not that I didn't res- respect the preacher and them preparing the sermon, but after you do it, I th- I think you realize, that, and, and none of us took it lightly, and and I think that was very important too. So I, I respect what the preacher does preparing for the sermon even more now, so that I've done it myself. Anybody else have an idea that preaching change? this summer for you or your concept of preaching? I think, like Tyler said, we all obviously respected what, you know, the proclamation of God's word. It's so important for our lives. Um, I think one of the things that hit me most when we were going through this process was being engaged with whoever is up in the pulpit preaching. Um, I think it's easy when we're in the congregation, I know I've done it before, to, like you said, just kind of be spectators. And so through this summer especially, I myself have worked on 
just being more engaged throughout the service. Um, and I think we, we begin with the worship assistant, you know, just call to worship, praying, um, and just, you know, welcoming people in, just everything that goes along with it. But I think it's so important to just kind of come around the preacher. I know we prayed, we begin praying for the preacher the morning of with each other. So I think just being able to come around the preacher and be engaged in what's going on on Sunday morning. Not because the preacher is the the superstar, right? right. Because because anybody that would step behind would feel the, the humbleness. But but so so no one has the wrong idea. We're trying to turn this into some kind of crazy charismatic church where all kinds of crazy things happen. And maybe someone doesn't want to say out loud, "Amen." Um, how can how can the quiet person in the room, the person that's the, the, the quietest person in this room, how can they engage, in your opinion, and be a, be a participant? In, yeah, you're not answering this. Um, to be a participant in the sermon and a participant in the worship service. Yeah. I would say, for me personally, just making sure that I'm focusing on and listening intently to what's being said. Thanks, brother. Um, I think having your Bible, like you mentioned, being able to look and see um, we've read about the Bereans in Acts 17. 17. Um, they didn't just hear and say, okay, they went to scripture, they read it for themselves. I think being able to have God's word open in front of you, reading along, listening intently to what's going on. Um, I mean, Jordan gives enough amens for all of us, but um, <laughs> it's simply, I agree. Amen, I agree. Um, and if there's something that's convicting your heart or something that you wholeheartedly agree with, then, you know, even if it's not for the whole world to hear, like, amen. Right. I agree with what's being said. So uh, I want to be cautious of time, and so everybody doesn't. But I, I want to just hang on just a second, because I don't want to make this a preaching. This is not a preaching conference. But, but you, you, guys, you guys decided on your own to sing this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know Sister Julie's sitting here, and Sister Marilyn's behind you, and they're, they play and lead us. Um, can you... Can some of you, all of you, speak to the participation? Um, I mean, you sounded great, but Garth Brooks, Luke Bryan, and, you know, whoever else, you were not. Uh, <laughs> but uh, why did you do it? Why did you do that? Because I'm the worst singer in the, in the, no one can sing. There's two things I can't do. I can't play golf and I can't sing. Um, but, but why did you guys choose to do that? You guys did a, a verse by yourself. Why, why did you do that? You guys speak, but I do want to say something quickly. I think it's just something God had put on our hearts, and I know Jordan touched on it a little in his sermon, um, the idea that we're praising God when we're worshiping. And so I think in, in our flesh, in the sin, it's easy to think, well, I don't sound good. Well, this is awkward. People are looking at me. But, like, we're singing to an audience of one, and we're praising God when we're singing. So I thought it would be really cool for all of us to step up here and just praise God with our voices. Anybody else want to take a stab? Yeah, I know Jordan wants to follow up on this. Jordan's been reading some worship books this summer, so I'll keep mine short. But um, uh, I guess... I guess I've been guilty of saying the phrase, you know, I guess I could go all day listening to sermons, but I mean, I wouldn't miss anything without the worship aspect. I've been guilty of saying that in the past. And um, it's something that I've been trying to change a lot this summer because I think just as important as hearing God's word preached, it's just as important to worship God through song. 
And um, I mean, really, those are the two main ways to do it. I mean, you can also do it in silent prayer and different things like that. But being able to proclaim your faith out loud is something that is is phenomenal. And I think it's something that I've tried to put more of an emphasis on. So I guess that would be my take on it. You got 120 seconds. All right. Um, so the, the thing that really got me was preparing for my sermon. And, you know, I, I talked a bit about worship and how it's the wholehearted adoration of God kind of welling up inside of us. And I was, I was convicted, you know, beginning this summer and even parts of last summer that, you know, as much as I, I enjoy singing, I'm not very good, but, you know, as much as I want to worship God, I, I really wasn't. I was kind of mumbling the words, but, but mumbling the words wasn't worship anymore. It, I needed to sing out, sing loud and, and proud about the God I love, the God I adore. And so to be able to stand up here this morning, and I'm grateful you all were willing to listen to us, um, but to, to do that and just really use sing as a mode of just showing how much I love God and how grateful I am for all he's done for me. It was, it was something I am so grateful for, and I, I continue to try to do over there. You, some of you all might hear me. Good job. As we wrap up, um, we're going to do this real quick, but I, I just want to make a comment. Um, a couple years ago, none of these four people were here. They were not attending our church at all. And... Um, God, through his providence and under his sovereign grace, uh, began to do that through various means. Uh, Tyler, you have a connection with your, uh, your grandmother, and you were here as a little kid, but you had kind of got in the way, and um, God drew you here back. He prompted it in your heart. Um, the other three of you um, were just students at Hauser, and someone asked you to come to, to, to a, a prayer breakfast, Right? Someone had a gospel conversation by an invitation, and, and you're baptized. All of, all of these young men um, were baptized in the last several years, two or three years, two years. And, um, and, and so this morning, I, what I was trying to say to us, if I'm not saying it now, um, that's why we pray. <laughs> It's why we read. It's why God, uh, because it, it, it takes everybody. Um, I, I look around and, and you know, um, Jay and Carson Roser, they're in Austin. You, you guys were at the prayer breakfast. I, I mean, this is not, this is, Megan, you were there. This is not just one person doing one. Luke and Callie, you guys, you guys attend. And, and, and um, I, we're not going to obviously probably have prayer breakfast for 2021 it breaks my heart just because of the pandemic. But so what is God asking us to do now? If we can't get kids to have a student breakfast before, I'm, I'm looking and, I, and I'm, yeah, I'm calling people out. I'm looking at Callie and Carson and just saying, what's, what's God asking you to do? Uh, I'm not saying you have to be on the stage. I'm just saying, how are you going to take your faith to the hallways of Hauser uh, this year? Um, I've got my own grandchildren. How, how is it you're taking Jesus to Hope Elementary. Um, Sister Julie, um, how is it that God's going to use you in the classroom? Um, we have to be praying for her. Uh, Laura and Sarah and Kim is at preschool. We got to be praying for these people engaging our students here. But I, I also look, and I can call everybody else out, 
I can call Brian and Jason just because I know you guys may not hate me. Um, but when you go to work, how is it that you're who, who's the next Jordan or Jacob in your guys's life? And again, this is family room conversation. Um, and that's what God's doing. This is because of you guys. This is because that we have been faithful to come and be a part of a thing called St. Louis Crossing Church, and God's doing something in our midst. And so we've taken just longer than I thought we would, but uh, just uh, 60 seconds, we're going to come and sing a couple more hymns, and then if you guys need to leave, but uh, just real quick, uh, 60-second takeaway for the church as we end here. Uh, What's the one thing you want to say in 60 seconds to your brothers and sisters So one of the things I've really been trying to do is, you know how much God loves you. Really try to let that shine. I said it in my sermon, not every day is sunshine and butterflies, but God loves you, and it's easy to just smile at somebody, you know, just really try to let your love for God just shine through because it's infectious in a good way, and it will change somebody's life and and stuff like that. Yeah, I'll just leave that. Um, The only thing I want to say is is just thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to let me come up here and and, and, you know, preach. It was, it was 15 minutes, but I really appreciate it. Um, I, you know, there's not, there's not too many churches in America that let 19 and 20 year olds come up on the pulpit untrained. And, um, you know, I think it was an incredibly unique experience that I hope I get to do again in the future. And, um, I just want to thank everyone of you guys for the opportunity that you gave me to do it. Um, I would just say that There's nothing special about the four of us. Um, If God can work through us, he can work through anyone, and he will. Um, The one thing that I know I've been trying to do is love God and love others, and I would encourage everyone, and I'm going to continue to do better, but I think that's what we've been trying to do. Love God, love each other, love others, and I think God will work through all of us if we can continue to do that. Um, yeah, I kind of, to Sean's point, thank you for listening to me up here and giving me the opportunity. Very thankful for that. Um, I'm thankful for each and every one of you as well. Um, you guys encourage me in my faith, um, sometimes even when you don't know it. So, um, and I'm very grateful to be able to worship with it, with everyone here and the ones that can't make it. So thank you. I leave with a verse in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 14. Paul is writing to Timothy, and he says, By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. I would look at the four of you and say, guard the good deposit. I would look to us as a congregation that God's entrusted a good deposit to us for over 150 years. We need to guard it, keep it, protect it, and grow it. And uh, may God be uh, glorified. I think Sister Julie's going to come and, and we're going to worship now in song. A verse I came across this morning in Isaiah.